Hey everybody, it is so great to be with you. Yeah, I no 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 clap for you. Y'all got up and made it to church. Clap for you. Yeah, it's great to be with you here at our Oak Ridge location. I don't get to be with you all that often, so this is a special treat to get to see some of our church family that I don't often get to see. So I want to say hi to everybody back at Kernersville and everybody watching online from wherever you're watching. We are in week two of the series called The Good Life, and I'm going to jump right in because we got a lot of ground to cover and eventually you're going to get hungry and have other things to do. So I want to jump right in and just remind you what we learned last week. And if you missed last week, you're going to want to get caught up so that you have the full context. You can go to our website app and watch and all that kind of stuff. But last week we discovered something about the good life, that the good life is a life of generosity, which is counterintuitive, really, because often we think that the good life is about having, it's about getting, and sometimes we even think it's about taking. And it's certainly not about having, it's not about getting, and most certainly not about taking. It's about giving and sharing and investing and those kinds of things. Not what we would expect when it comes to describing the good life, but as we saw last week, It's just who God is. Jesus illustrated it. And because we follow Jesus, that's what we have to pay attention to. Now, we're going to take it a step further today, go a little bit farther, and we're going to look at the motivation behind a life of generosity. What's the motivation? What would make people want to live a life of generosity in every way with their time and energy and money and all the kind of stuff? And in order to get us there, I'm going to put something up on the screen, uh, a saying that's a very common saying and something maybe that you've said before or you've heard other people say before. And I, I want to put it up here and give you a, just a little bit of warning. You're going to think, oh man, this guy, this guy really has kind of lost it a little bit because I think that's a true statement. There is some truth to it, but it's very misleading. It's very misleading, and I'll unpack it for you. It's this right here. If you set your mind to it, you can have it. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Or And there's variations of it, too. If you set your mind to it, you can do it. You can do whatever you set your mind to. You can have whatever it is you set your mind to. Doesn't that sound just like something a great-grandparent would say, right? Oh, sweetie, you can, you know, or, or mama, you're trying to encourage, you know, or dad, you know, you go out there, son, you know, and the coach, you know, out on the field. If you could, oh, you just, and there's variations, right? If you can dream it, you can achieve it. Oh, that sounds so good. You dream it, you can do it. And it's really what the American dream is it's built on. That whole idea, the American dream, the American way, if you could dream it, you could do it, you set your mind to it, you can have it. The, the whole idea of the self-made man or the self-made woman. Yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. That, that's what this is about. And it's very well intended. And, and it's meant to try to drive people to work hard. And they should. You should work hard. And it's meant to drive people to determination. And you should be determined. Hard work, determination. The problem is, it's not always true. It's just not always true. It's not always true that you can do whatever you set your mind to, that if you can dream it, you can do it. You can dream it, you can achieve it. It just doesn't always work. I mean, for instance, we have challenges and limitations in life that you just can't press through sometimes. Sometimes it's life stage stuff. There are some things, there's a lot of things that young people can't do because they're young. No matter how hard they try. And there's a lot of things that old people can't do. No more. Right? 
You know it. You know it. I mean, no matter how hard you try and how hard you want to and how bad, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. Sometimes body limitations, there are some things that short people just can't do. There are some things that big, tall people just will never be able to do. It doesn't matter how hard Shaquille O'Neal tries. He will never ride a winning horse through the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> will never do it. His horse will never win. No matter, I mean, you can set his mind to it, and no, it, ain't, it ain't happening. And on a more serious note, sometimes our bodies are limited with sickness and disease. I mean, you tell someone in a wheelchair, I mean, right? I mean, it's one thing to work hard and determine and everything, but you tell somebody with a chronic illness or someone with a, a debilitating disease, you tell them, hey, you know what? If you wanted to bad enough, you, I mean, it's an insult, right? Oh, see, it sounds good. It teaches good and it's great. You know, the coach locker room, well, come on, guys, come on. But the problem is in real life, it just begins to break down a little bit. Now, now, here's the bigger problem, the bigger issue, is that this thinking leads to, often leads to an illusion. Now, you, maybe you never made the connection until now, but you'll see what I'm talking about. Here's the illusion. Is that you have what you have in life because you deserve it. You see how that goes? Right? If, if I can do whatever I set my mind to, and then I achieve it, then it's because I set my mind to, and I deserved it. And I got exactly what it is I worked hard for. Now, the good thing about this is that it does encourage people to work hard and helps them understand you should earn things, right? Those are good things, good values. We want people to earn what they have and to work hard, absolutely. That's a great thing. But that's not the right kind of philosophy to have. To think that I have what I have because I deserve it, because what happens is when you think, well, if I set my mind to it and I work hard enough, I can have it, I can achieve it, and then you experience, you look around at all your stuff, you'll begin to tell yourself, all of this is rightfully mine because I earned it. All of it's rightfully mine because I worked hard for it, and I put my mind to it, and whatever I want, you know, and I was always taught, if you, you achieve it and you dream it, you can achieve it, and I did, and now I have it, and it's mine. It's all because I deserve it. It's rightfully mine. It's owed to me. Well, after all, I've worked hard. Well, they don't have because they didn't do what I did. I did what I did, and I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. And You see, there's all kinds of ways we say that. Unfortunately, that leads to entitlement. Right? I mean, some of you may go home and look around at your stuff. You know, look, at, look at all this stuff I worked hard for. Look at all this stuff I worked hard for. You know, and I'm glad you worked hard. You should work hard. Working hard is better than apathy. Right? You should work hard, but you go home and you look at your stuff and you maybe you look at your job and you, you get in your truck or your car and you look at all this stuff I worked hard for. And you like to show it off and you wouldn't like say you like to show it off, but you like to show it off. You like people to come over and you wouldn't say you like, but you like people to come over and you can say, hey, look at this, look at this. And deep down you're going, yeah, it's paying off. Hmm. Last week we saw something that I want to go back to. Remember last week we were talking about how generous God is and it's just who he is and just what he does. And he can't, he can't be anything other than generous. And there was this prayer in the Old Testament scriptures that King David was praying in the dedication of the temple. The building of the temple. He was going to build a temple uh, for his son Solomon to succeed him. And it's going to be Solomon's temple. 
And he asked everyone to bring all this material, and they collected all this material, and they brought all this material. All the people pitched in, all the people gave, and they brought the material. And before they began building the temple, he prayed a prayer of dedication. And in this prayer of dedication, we saw this last week, David said, everything we have has come from you. Everything we have. That's how generous God is. Everything. Everything comes from him. That's really generous. We saw that last week. But I want you to see from a different angle today what this is about, right? Also, it's not just how generous God is, but the source, right? Everything comes from him. Everything, everything. And he goes on and explains, and we give you all this stuff. We give you only what you first gave us, right? Everything we have that we pencil our name in on and, and that we call ours, and it's not really ours because everything belongs to you. But yeah, we call it ours and everything. And it all comes from you. And even this stuff, even the stuff we give you, God, you gave us first. In fact, our Lord, our God, even this material, all this stuff that we've gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you because it all belongs to you. All we have and all we do ultimately is because of God. All you have and all you do, all your stuff is ultimately because of God. It's not because you dreamed it and you could do it. You dreamed it, you could achieve it. Ultimately, it's not because you worked hard and earned it. Because who gave you the ability to work hard? Who gave you the ability to earn it? Who gave you the health? Who gave you the opportunity? Who allowed you to have that job? Do you know there are people that work harder than you that have less than you have? Yeah, it's not all on you. It's not all on me. There is no self-made man or woman. A self-made man, a self-made woman is a myth. We are recipients of everything. And if everything is a gift, get this, then we're entitled to nothing. If everything ultimately comes from God, then you're entitled to jack squat. Are you with me? You're entitled? Entitled? And if everything is a gift, then ultimately it should lead to a posture and an attitude of gratefulness. So that's where we go today and understanding what the good life is all about. Last week we saw that the good life is a life of generosity, but the motivation behind the generosity is that, hey, listen, everything comes from God. Everything, everything, everything. So that helps us know that the good life is not just about a life of generosity. It's, a, it's about a life of grateful generosity, gratitude. I am so thankful. I acknowledge that God is the source of all of it. It's a life of grateful generosity. Truly generous people, listen carefully, truly generous people are generous not because they don't have needs. They got needs. Not because they just got all this extra time, energy, and money that they don't know what to do with. And I'd be generous too if I had what they had. Nope. Truly generous people are generous because they acknowledge ultimately that God is the source of all of it. They're generous because they trust God as the source of all of it. And they are grateful to God as the source of everything they've ever had in the past, everything they have now, and anything they will ever have in the future. Grateful generosity. 
which frees us up. When you understand that God is the ultimate source of everything you call yours, that God is the ultimate source, you acknowledge him as the source, you trust him as the source, and you are grateful to him as the source, here's what happens. It frees you up to live a generous life because you're so grateful. It's just a natural thing. I am so grateful for all, and I acknowledge that God, everything comes from him. Now I am freed up to follow the example of Jesus and live a generous life. One way to say it is that grateful people are generous people. I, I, I've never seen that otherwise. That, that grateful people end up being generous. Or another way to say it, maybe this will connect with you a little bit differently. Gratitude generates generosity. It just does. It leads to generosity to God, to other people, and it's a beautiful cycle if you look and see, and see, this is the way it works, okay? When I realize that God is the source of everything, let me just tell you how it works for me, and, I, and it works the same for you, but since I don't, I don't know all the details of, of, of your scoop, I can just talk about me for a second. When I realize just how grateful I am to God, it's the source of everything. He's the source. I mean, God. Right? I mean, God, you, you're talking about having a you know, sugar daddy. I mean, I don't, oh, come on. You say, well, that's disrespectful. Okay, laugh a little bit. Laugh a little bit. You're fine. You're fine. God's fine. He thinks it's funny, too. I ask. Okay. Right? God's the source. Everything makes me so grateful. And then, as a result, it makes me want to be generous. Right? Why? Because he's my source. He is sourcing me so I can be generous to him and to others. I can be generous. And, and here's what happens. The cycle continues. The more I'm generous, the more it reminds me that everything that I'm sharing with others was a gift to me anyway. So it just reminds me that everything I have is a gift from God, which makes me more grateful. And now I'm more grateful. So, so now... I, I want to be more generous. And, and then I'm more generous, and that reminds me again, hey, everything you're sharing with you, God has shared with you, and, 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 and it's just the cycle continues. Gratitude generates generosity, and it becomes a way of life, a way of living, and it affects every single thing. Now, if you're being honest and a human being like me and you know, and, and we want you to be honest with this stuff, okay? Because this is real life stuff. You're, you're probably thinking at some point, okay, that's good, that's great. And I feel like I'm pretty generous. I feel like I'm a pretty generous person. I, I'm tracking with you on that, okay? I, I definitely wouldn't call myself stingy. I wouldn't say that I'm greedy. Of course, probably none of us would. But at some point, you're going to ask, how much do you have to do or give or share or invest in, in, into those around you and, and into, you know, what God has called us to do. How much? How much do you have to do in order to be considered generous? How much? In other words, what do you have to do to actually check the generous box? How much time? How much energy? How much money? That's a natural question. And in order to answer that question, I want to talk about the difference and the connection between two things. Ability and responsibility. Ability and responsibility. Maybe you've never seen the connection. You will never be able to unsee this. 
after you see this. All of us have ability and all of us have responsibility. All of us have both. But it's a little different. All of us have different abilities because ability is determined by what you have. And we all don't have the same stuff. And we all don't have the same amount. So our abilities are different. Right? Someone who doesn't have a lot has a different ability when it comes to generosity than someone who has a lot. You may not think you have a little. Maybe you don't think you have a lot. Maybe you have a lot, but you think you have little. I don't know. But the point is, is that it's different for everybody. It's different for me, different for you. No need to compare the abilities here. Because ability, even though we all have ability and we all have responsibility, our ability is different based upon what we have. In contrast, though, we all have the same responsibility. Because responsibility, when it comes to living a life of generosity, has to do with what you do with what you have. Right? What you do with it. Now, we all have different stuff, but we're all responsible in the same way to do with it. What is honoring and pleasing to God. Now, let me say right up front, there's nothing wrong with having. Nothing wrong with having. There's nothing wrong with having a little. There's nothing wrong with having a lot. There's nothing wrong with having, regardless of where you are on the scale. The issue is, are you generous with it? Don't ever feel guilty for having. No. If you're generous, you don't have to worry about feeling guilt for having. Now, if you're greedy and stingy, I can understand why you would look at all this stuff and go, I'm a spiritual hoarder. Yeah, I'm stingy, actually. Yeah, I can understand. But there should be no guilt to having, whether you have little or have much, if you live a life of generosity. Now, a lot of people are like, well, I don't have the ability to be generous. I would love to be generous, Pastor. God knows my heart. I would love to be generous. I just don't have the ability to be generous because I don't have enough. Well, you're in luck. Because being generous has nothing to do with the amount of what you have. Absolutely nothing to do. And we'll see that here in just a minute. You say, well, I don't have enough. Okay, well, it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. And to be quite honest... Most people that say, I don't have the ability to be generous because I don't have enough, what they're really saying is, I don't have the ability to be generous because I don't have enough left over after I do everything else with what I have. That's why God was genius when he gave us a principle that guides our giving in the Scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament. It's introduced in the Old Testament, and Jesus actually referred to it as a good thing in the New Testament as well, and, and something that should guide our, our giving, and it's called the principle of first fruits. It's a farming term, because back then, you know, people, um, that, that, that was the economy. It ran on crops. It ran on, uh, that was the exchange, right? And, and you would pay for things with crops and everything. So it wasn't about paper money back, back then, but the same concept, right? First fruits. And the idea of first fruits is that you bring to God and you give to God and you're generous to God and everything comes to him from Him anyway. It's all His anyway. It all belongs to Him. It all comes from Him and He is the source. You give to God and you share with God and you invest. You're generous to God and others first off the top. And it's actually called a tithe in many passages, which means a tenth, right? 10% tithe. Like, wow, yeah. But see, here's the deal. 10% is a scale. And if you don't have much, 
10% is smaller. If you have a lot, 10% is bigger. But it grows up and down with you. It's a genius principle that God gave us because it's not about ability. It's about responsibility. We all have different abilities, but we all have a responsibility that is the same to be generous with what God has entrusted to us. Responsible, responsible, responsible. Ability, different. Responsibility, response. What is your response to your ability? And see, that, that's why the principle of first fruits was given, is that we, 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 we give. Let me show you, show you this in, in action. This is interesting. And one of my favorite interactions in the, in the scriptures, uh, because I think there's a lot of humor to it, and you know me, I like, I like to laugh, and I, and I think there's a lot of humor out there, um, that, that Jesus actually introduced to people, and, and we don't see it often. Mark wrote this because he was there and noticed. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple one day and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. I'm just going to leave that right there. That's hilarious. <laughs> Come on, right? You're Jesus. You're like, pull up a seat. You sit there by the tall wooden box. Morning. <laughs> now about you, if I was Jesus, I'd mess with people, right? Good thing I'm not Jesus. Morning. Sure about that? Morning, you right? And can you imagine coming to church, right? Because you're already running, running late. You're already running late because it's a nine thirty service, and you can't be on time, right? So you're already running late, and 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 you and you're coming. Come on, come on, get the kids. You get the kids checked in. Oh, just bring them with us. You know, all this kind of stuff. And there's a line. You notice there's a line. There's never a line. There's a line. Where's the line? The line. There's a line at the giving box. Where's the line? You realize there's there's a line because. Jesus is sitting by it. He's checking people out, what they're giving. And so he's like, did you bring anything? Did you bring anything? There's a line. Jesus is sitting. Did you bring anything? I didn't bring any cash. What did you bring? All that guy's a card. Right? Oh, telling you, it's real. And then there's a the guy that just walks by, and, and Jesus <clears throat> clears his throat. And he's like, I give online. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's all right there. Everything I just described is in the word watched. It's the Greek. <laughs> all right, watch this. Okay, we got to go, we got to go. Many rich people put in large amounts, okay? Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Blink, blink. Watch what happened. Jesus called his disciples, and he's like, time out. Hey, fellas, come here. Matthew, Mark. John, Peter, Peter, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. And Peter's like, dude, I heard it. Blink, blink, come on, dude, but that guy, man, that guy, he pulled up in that truck and I saw what he gave and that guy and I saw what she gave and how could it be more? Jesus explains. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. So they had left over, right, after they had done everything else they wanted to do with their, I mean, you know, make sure everybody else got what they needed, and, and we just got back from the vacation, and we're good, and all of that, and hey, you know what? I'm feeling a little generous today. We got some extra. Yeah, yeah. hey, here you go. Here you go, Lord. Just a tiny part of their surplus. In other words, Jesus is saying they were giving last fruits, not first fruits. 
But she, poor as she is, she has given everything she had to live on in that moment. Hmm. Now, here's the point. It's not about the fact that she gave everything. It was about how she was responsible with the different abilities she had than the other people had. Those people with large amounts, right? Jesus is like, no, 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 this lady, actually this woman, this poor widow was actually more generous because it's about responsibility. She's more generous than, than these that were giving the last fruits, a tiny part of their surplus. There was another time when Jesus kind of hinted as to what he was thinking when he said this. Because he said, and Luke records it, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. It's about responsibility. You're responsible. And for the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Hmm. And, and if I read the room right, and I can't see a stinking person out there because of the lights, but I'm reading it. If I'm reading the room right, you're probably thinking, whew, whew, it's a good thing I don't have much. Now my neighbor, sucks being him. Yeah, yeah, the people in my group, whoo, I'd hate, okay, wait, 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 time out, time out. If you're sitting in these seats this morning, you have much. Come on, I do, you do, we do. Not compared to other people, no, just think about it. If you don't think you have much, if you don't think you have much, then I'll ask you to do one thing. Go home, take five minutes, and start making a list. Because see, everything comes from God. We are recipients of everything. You are entitled to no thing. You deserve no thing. We are recipients of all of it. Go home and make a list. And, and most of you will not do that. And here's why you won't make a list. You don't need to. Because you know, if you did, what your conclusion would be. You don't have to. Yeah, I'm really helping you understand that a good life, living the good life, is a life of generosity that is motivated by gratefulness of saying, Everything, everything I have, whether I have a little ability or a lot of ability, I have responsibility to be generous to God and others, to make that a part of my life, because everything I have is from Him. So in the last few minutes we have together, I want to give you some practical things to take away to help you begin to practice Grateful generosity. And you can write these down, and there'll be, I think there's five of them or so, and you can wait till the end, take a picture if you want. Begin by acknowledging all God has given you. There's that list again. You know, you probably won't go make a list because you know it. You probably don't need to make a list because you know. I've been greatly blessed. You have been greatly blessed. We have been greatly blessed. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the fact that everything you call yours is a gift. Everything you've worked hard and you've earned. Everything you would look at and go, I deserve that. I had that coming to me. I, were, I was actually owed that because I worked hard for that. Great, I'm glad you did. But keep, where does that string lead? You know, what, who gave you the ability to work hard? Who gave you the time? Who gave you the opportunity? Who gave you the job? Who, who allowed you? Yeah, you keep going. Ultimately, you're going to end up at the throne of God. 
Acknowledge that. Acknowledge it. And then, once you acknowledge all God has given, secondly, say thank you often and sincerely. You say, well, well of course. Okay. Often and sincerely. You're not going to say it too much. Often and sincerely. To God and to others. To God and to others. If we just live with this just posture of thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Because you realize by saying thank you, you know that you are a recipient of every single thing. And then, thirdly, look for opportunities to be generous because they're everywhere. Look for opportunities to be generous with your time, with your energy, and yes, even with your finances. Look for opportunities. They're everywhere. They're at home. They're in your neighborhood. You'll see them today if you look for them. You will experience them today if you look for them. You'll go to work tomorrow, and there's opportunities right there. Every single day, you just have to look for them. And then, number four, develop a rhythm of financial giving. A rhythm. If you don't make it a rhythm, it's not going to happen. It's just a part of it. Why? Because, because we want to get into the habit of practicing these principles of, of stewardship as recipients of everything. We want to just make it a part of our lives, a pattern, a habit, percentage, and everybody can start somewhere. And I'll tell you what I told you last week. If you think this is about you giving more money to the summit, you are wrong. You can give it somewhere else. Just be generous. Develop a pattern and a rhythm of financial generosity. There's many different ways, many different places that you can be generous. Now, if this is your home church, it just makes sense that you would give here. But it's not about us. This is about you understanding that the good life is, is about grateful because you've received everything from God. Generosity. Because we follow the example of Jesus who illustrated to us, like we saw last week, just how generous God is and we are his kids. What I've learned is that the more grateful I become, the more faithful I become in giving. The more grateful you become the more faithful you will be. And then lastly, this is huge right here. Create margin. Create some margin in your life so that you actually have margin to do these other things because these other things take margin. It takes time. It takes time. You have to slow down a little bit. It takes time and thought to acknowledge and to say thank you and to slow down enough to look for the opportunities. They're all around, but you just zip, 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 getting it done, getting it done, on to the next deal, on to the next deal, on to the next thing on the list. Don't slow down, right? Margin, rhythm of financial giving takes margin. That's why, that's why God said do it first. First fruits. Be generous first and trust God with the rest. Create margin. It means live on less than you make and don't consume all that you have. You live on less than you make, there's a novel idea, and don't consume all that you have. Creates margin for generosity. So here's your assignment. I want you to go home, and it, and it begins when you leave here, and you go get in that car or that truck or the vehicle 
Even if it's not the one you wish you were driving, even if it was the one that you're, you're looking to trade in because it's not quite bougie enough, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Even if, okay, regardless, and you go home, you go home, and here's your assignment when you go home, and you walk in and you pull up into the driveway and you see the property that needs some work, and you're like, I'm so glad nobody knows we live here. And, you know, and, and then, or, you know, you walk in and you're like, oh, my castle, you know, and whatever it is, whatever it is. And, and then when you go in and you kick back today and you watch the game and those, cushy chairs and the big, you know, the big flat screen. And I don't, even if you have a small stuff, and even if you have a small screen, right, and, and some, you know, the phone, right? Oh, well, I just watch on a small $1,000 screen, right? <laughs> you kinda, are, you, are you tracking with me? Here's your assignment. All your stuff. Ask yourself two questions. Everybody should have their phone out right now taking a picture of them. All the cool kids are doing it. Look at everything you got. Who did this come from? Really? Ask yourself, who did this come from? Really? Well, my grandma gave me, okay, no, 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 no. Really? Well, I worked hard. That was, I got that after I hit that benchmark in the company. Okay. Really? Well, I mean, I pulled extra shifts to, okay. Really? Who did this come from? You know the answer to that question. Then secondly, so then how does God want me to use it? Because see, this first question is about ability. It all got different stuff, different amounts. This second question is more about response ability. What am I to do with it? Yeah. That, my friends, will set you up and set me up to live a life of grateful generosity. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you have given us, which is all that we have. Thank you for the ability, the energy, the time, the opportunity. Thank you for the resources. Thank you for money. Thank you for jobs. Thank you for cars and trucks and houses and everything that fills them and all the places we go in them. It all comes from you. And we shouldn't feel guilty unless we're not generous. And then instead of feeling guilt, we should be challenged to follow the example of Jesus who came to illustrate just how generous you are and we are your children. Father, help me. Help us. Out of gratitude, be generous. Knowing that everything comes from you, you are our ultimate source of all things, so we can trust you. This is an exercise of trust. As we live out gratefulness, and we become generous with our time and our energy, and yes, even our money, Lord, may we not look at anything we have as if we deserve it or is because of us. None of us are self-made men. None of us are self-made women. May we remember that it all comes from you. And may we consider how you want us to generously use it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Next week, we will continue this series, week three of The Good Life. And here's one of the questions we're going to wrestle with. Or right, have you ever said, or have you ever heard someone say, I just can't wait one day to give back in life. I just can't wait to give back. Next week, we're going to talk about how that really misses the whole point. You're like, what? I know. And we'll figure out what we're going to say. But anyway, it just sounds good. No, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We will continue week three of The Good Life next time. I hope you join us and bring somebody with you. Bye.